This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. Praise God, praise God. The title of our message today, message today is recognizing and using the authority of Jesus on earth or exercising the authority of Jesus on earth. And that is something that is so key because so often authority, people who have places of authority, take that authority and abuse it, misuse it for their own powerful gain, what they can get out of it. And that's not the heart of our Father. And this morning I really want to focus on the centurion faith and his authority and how he exercised that because as believers we often hear mentioned different types of faith we've heard it we've heard shipwreck faith we've mountain moving faith childlike faith mustard seed faith and we can probably carry on here the whole day with all the different types of faith faiths there are in how we can trust god believe god and ways we should not and today I would like for us to look at the most specific one and not making anything else invalid but focus on the centurion faith is what I call it the faith of the Roman centurion a faith that demonstrates profound trust and dependence in on Jesus and his power recognizing his power Jesus's power and authority here on earth and in heaven and let's see what we can learn from it and how we can apply that in our daily lives and our walk with God. So let's start by reading the account of the centurion, seeing that is based our teaching on the faith of the centurion, which is found in both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, but we will read from the book of Matthew today. And we're going to start with Matthew chapter 8, reading verses 5 to 10 and then verse 13. Verse 5 says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such, a great, with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go. Let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So we see in this account a Roman centurion approaching Jesus, requesting healing for his paralyzed servant. And the centurion expresses his faith by acknowledging the authority of Jesus and recognizing that a mere spoken word, one word from Jesus, would be sufficient to heal his servant. 
and we see Jesus just marveling at his faith and declares that he has not found such great faith in Israel and the centurion's servant is healed at that very moment. So we see the basis of the Roman centurion's faith was his ability to recognize who he had standing in front of him, recognizing that Jesus had all power and authority, which included the power to heal. So that is key. It wasn't really about the centurion's faith, it's the fact that he was able to recognize that Jesus had all power and all authority. He must have heard or seen enough to make him come and approach Jesus the way he did. But just to confirm that Jesus has all the power and authority, let's read Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, and that was to his 11 disciples there on the mountain. He said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority was given to Jesus? All authority. And if Jesus has been given all authority, how much authority does a devil get to have in our lives? Zero, zip, nada, nil, nux, if you want to throw in some Afrikaans there. He has no authority. He would like for us to think that he has authority in our lives. He would like, the devil would like for us to believe otherwise. But obviously that's not true because we clearly see here that all authority has been given and all authority to Jesus and Jesus alone. Here's another portion of scripture that confirms that in Philippians 2, verses 8 to 11. And being found in appearance as a man, talking about Jesus, he humbled himself. Notice that, that's key here as far as gaining authority and walking in authority of what God has, the right type of authority. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given Jesus the name which is above every name. Does that mean that Jesus has all authority? Yes, it does. His name, God, he was given the name which is above every name. Why? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. That about covers it all, right? And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's as clear as daylight there. We can't be confused about it. We, there's no doubt whatsoever, doubts whatsoever that Jesus has ultimate and all power and authority, not just here on earth, in heaven, under the earth. So what do we have to fear? When we are children of God, we have a loving, caring God who has all authority, authority who loves us and takes care of us. Now we notice, remember I pointed out there that Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death and was given the name above every name. Now, if Jesus was able to humble himself, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he is God, yet he was able to humble himself and take on human form, humanity, and even to the point of death, to die a cruel death for us. Who are we to walk around being proud and arrogant, lording our authority over people? 
which leads me to the first characteristic of the Roman centurion's faith as a result of him being able to recognize the powerful truth that Jesus had all power, has all power and authority. And that first characteristic that I want to point out from the life of the Roman centurion is his humility. He approached Jesus with humility in spite of his own position. He was a centurion. He was in charge of at least a hundred soldiers or more. And he had authority. He was a man of authority in that era and arena area. So let's read that first part of verse eight and nine again, just to see the humble heart of this man. Verses eight A and nine A, just the first part because of what I'm trying to illustrate here. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my room, under my roof. And we see that I'm sure he had a lovely home. I don't think he was embarrassed of his home. It's just he had such respect and honor for the authority and the power of Jesus and who he had standing in front of him. He said, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. And then he also says, for I myself am a man, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. So even though he was a man under authority and with soldiers underneath him, and he probably could have walked around entitled the morning that Jesus come and see him, and he could have asked one of his servants to come and get Jesus to come to his house. No, he did not have that hard attitude. He had the hard attitude of humility. That's what God looks for, a humble heart. The Roman officer could have left, let many obstacles stand in his way of approaching Jesus. He could have allowed pride to stand in his way from approaching Jesus because, I mean, he, like I said, he is a, a ruler in his own right. He could have just sent somebody to go and find Jesus. He could have allowed doubt, like, would this really happen? What if I embarrass myself and Jesus can't do it? And he didn't have doubt. He could have allowed money because I'm sure he had lots of money and say, you know, I don't need to do this. I have enough money. Maybe I can pay for the best doctors to help my servant. Language, he didn't speak the same language as Jesus. Distance, he must have traveled to get to, just, to, get to Jesus. It took time and effort. And he could have done, relied on his self-sufficiency, who he was as a person and his authority and his power. Instead, he recognized and he heard about Jesus and what Jesus can do and his authority and his power. And race, let's face it, at that time, the gospel was shared and the, the preaching was done and then ministry was done amongst the Jewish people, Jewish believers. And he was not a Jew, he was a Gentile. So as a Gentile to come and approach Jesus, that also said a lot. Now he did not allow any of these obstacles to stand in his way. He came with a humble heart to Jesus. And as Jesus, and as someone who had authority, he could have easily approached Jesus, like I said, with that proudful, entitled attitude, like that little spoiled little girl in, um, what is that, Willy Wonka's uh, chocolate factory? You know, what was her name? I think it was, um, not Charlotte. Anyway, one of those girls, do you remember her? The rich little girl who was always demanding, like, Father or Daddy, I want this, I want this, I want this. Get it for me, you know? <laughs> like she wanted the Oompa Loompas and she wanted them riding down the river of chocolate with it to come with it and uh, a candy boat and I don't know, that 
trained squirrels. And at the end of the day, her pride, her pride was her downfall, literally went down to where, who knows where, down that little, I don't know what you call spiral thing. So pride comes before a fall. And this centurion did not allow his pride to stand in the way from receiving something that he desperately wanted for his servant, and that was healing. Now the centurion clothed himself in humility, which ties back into recognizing the power and authority of Jesus. Because if we recognize somebody's power and authority, we would have no problem to step into a place of humility and respect for that person and the presence we have in front of him. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, the second part of it to verse 6, shows us about humility. It says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you in due time. Wow, we see there the power of humility, because God honors that, because it shows a humble heart and heart that trusts in Him and His power and His authority and His love for us. If only Adam and Eve could have recognized this very important fact and what they had, what God has given them, and instead they wanted more. They wanted to be like God. Instead of just clothing themselves with humility, right? Instead they found themselves naked and exposed as a result of their pride. When we approach Jesus in humility, we acknowledge His power and His authority in our lives. Another characteristic of the centurion's faith as a result of him being able to recognize that Jesus had all of power and authority is the fact that he had confidence in Jesus' word. Centurion expresses confidence that Jesus' spoken word alone is sufficient for healing. He believed in the efficacy and the authority of Jesus' words. So should we. Watch this in Matthew 8, verse 8, the second part. Remember, he said, but just say, just say the word. That's all we need. I just need you to say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now, at the end of the day, this is key. Believing and trusting in God's word. Just because we go to church or are born in a hospital doesn't mean if you're born in a hospital, you're going to be a doctor. No. Just because you're raised in a Christian home or you um, go to church doesn't mean you have a relationship with God and that you know God's word and that you take ownership of it for yourself. It might just be head knowledge at that time. And it's really when we have that full understanding, that revelation of God's word and how powerful it is, that we have, will be able to have full confidence in God's word and it will work more effectively in our lives. Watch us in Matthew 28 verses 16 to 17. Speaking, referring to what I was just sharing with you, it doesn't necessarily mean that if we are um, raised in a, in a Christian home or go to church every Sunday that necessarily we recognize the power and authority of Jesus and His word. Watch us in Matthew 28, 16 and 17. Then the 11 disciples so who are they they're supposed to be believers right 
went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But, uh-oh, some doubted. Wow, your disciples had walked with Jesus, yet there were some that doubted. We know about Thomas, right? We know how he had to have to see the, the holes and the scars in Jesus' hands to be able to believe. And our hearts need to be open to receive and believe God's word, right? There's a story that's told of William, who was the Prince of Orange. I hope I don't have to pronounce it differently, Orange, <laughs> but Prince of Orange, who was invited to come to England and be king. Wow, what an honor. And then he went ahead when he found that out, he promised certain offices places of authority to his friends and he gave them written pledges he put it in writing he says I promise to offer you this power this position of authority when I become king but when he offered this one pledge a written um, notice to the man one of his friends the man who was to be his Lord Chamberlain that nobleman replied your majesty's word is sufficient I would not serve a king if I could not trust in his word. In other words, I don't need something in writing. I just need your word. And if you're a true king, that's all I need. That saying pleased the king and he who showed such faith in him became his favorite minister. Should we not be willing to take the word of the king of kings? Whatever we read, his word is full of power, of promises. It behooves us to trust in his word and take Jesus on his word, to believe that what he said he would do. When we are familiar with God's word and it has taken root in our hearts, we will not be hearers only, but doers of it too, which is works of faith. We heard about that last Sunday, works of faith, because we believe we have these um, uh, accompanied actions of faith, which brings us to the next characteristic of, centurion, of the centurion faith, which was rooted in recognizing the power and authority of Jesus. The centurion demonstrated his faith through his actions. He didn't just stand there before Jesus and gave this wonderful, powerful speech that we just read about, you know, I'm a man and authority and then the, I'm not worthy to come to your house. It wasn't just words to him, which would sound good to everyone hearing. It's like, wow, listen to this man. He demonstrated his faith through his actions, it was faith in action. He did it by doing two things. First, he took the time, the money, the effort, the laid down his pride he did everything necessary to find Jesus and to approach Jesus as a Gentile and to appeal to him on behalf of his servant to go and to for his servants healing and secondly when Jesus said go your servant is healed he didn't stand there doubting he just believed that it was so that Jesus healed his servant and off he went believing that his servant was healed so his faith was accompanied by his actions. Now the final characteristic we see 
in the centurion's faith, which was based on recognizing the power and authority of Jesus, is that his motivation for approaching Jesus was not for himself. He wanted something for somebody else. His heart was for his servant. He did this out of love and care for his servant. And that's what God wants for us as well, to be always on the lookout for others. Remember those men whose friend was paralyzed and they were trying to get him to Jesus, but they couldn't get through. They even got onto the roof and lowered him down right in front of Jesus. They cared enough. They didn't feel like, oh, there's such a waste of our time. We don't want to go through that effort of making space there, getting up the roof, trying to get our friend up there and lowering him down. It's too much effort and trouble. No, they cared about his friends. And God saw their faith. Jesus noticed their faith. God loves it when we look out for others, that we use our faith for the benefit of others. I mean, if you also think about King Solomon, you know, God called him to be the next king after King David, who was a mighty king. I mean, it's a big shoes to fill that he had to step into. And I'm sure he felt intimidated and overwhelmed. And he knew the key was to go to God. And he approached God with a humble heart. And he said, Lord, I need your help. I need your wisdom. After God asked him, what do you want? After he sacrificed his offerings, he said, what can I do for you? He said to God, I need your wisdom and knowledge to govern your people well. And God was so blessed by his odds. Instead of him, Solomon saying, I want long life, I want wealth, I want riches, I want honor, all this, me, 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 me. He said, no, I want whatever it takes that will benefit the kingdom of um, your people, the people of Israel. And that God was so blessed with him. And because of that, God said, you know what? I'm going to give you the wisdom like no man has ever had. But I'm also going to give you all these other things that you did not ask for. The riches, the honor, the, the long life and everything else that came with it. Because he touched God's heart with his humility and acknowledging, acknowledging that all that he needs comes from Jesus. In, um, it's not on the screen, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1, it says that Solomon, son of David, took firm control of his kingdom. After this all happened, he had that confidence because he knew who he had backing him, backing him up. He took firm control of his kingdom. Why? For the Lord his God was with him and made him very powerful. It was because he knew whose authority he can do this by, the authority of our God. So still looking at our motivation, at the end of the day being for others, of course, God wants us to use our faith for our everyday lives. But, I mean, if it's just all about ourselves, that's not good. We need a heart for other people. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 7 to 8, the Apostle Paul reminds us about that, how important it is to use authority for good. He says, look at the obvious facts. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord. You and I have authority given to us by Jesus. But he says, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. That's the kind of authority we need to look out for. That's the kind of authority we need to operate in. As 
teachers at school, that's the kind of authority we need to walk in as parents, as authority in our homes, as um, wherever, in our, in our workplace. If you're an employer or you have people working under you, follow Jesus' example, follow Apostle Paul's example, lead with other people in mind to build them up, to do things that will benefit them at the end of the day, not for selfish gain and of to tear others down, not to rule it over them, to lord over them, but to have the best in mind for them, how to enhance and benefit their lives. And let's be honest, we all probably know that we have authority in Jesus' name, but we tend to forget to use it sometimes, right? We get so busy with everyday lives, we forget to exercise that authority that we have because of Jesus. We saw here the authority is given to us by Jesus, that it's not our own authority, it's His authority that we execute, that we uh, live by here on this earth. Jesus wants us to walk and in and exercise His authority here on earth, His delegated authority, using His name. We don't have to do this in our own power. We can't heal anybody. We don't have that power, but by the power, the name of Jesus and His authority, we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We can cast out demons. We can set people free by the power in the name of Jesus. We can bring about that change and all this for the benefit of others, telling them the good news of God's unconditional love and grace, salvation and healing found in Jesus. He wants us to be His hands and His feet. And when we look at the, all the hurt and pain you just put on the TV and you just read anything on, online, you just see we live in a time and day where there's so much hurt, so much anger, so much uh, terrible things going on in the world. We live in a time of chaos and it might feel overwhelming and sometimes impossible to feel like you can make any difference. But God has already done the impossible. He's gone he sent His Son Jesus to die for every single one of us on this earth. We just need, as His hands and feet, to daily make ourselves available to Him and seek out opportunities to make a difference, to, by humility, look, what does somebody else need? Instead of, what do I need today? What can I do for somebody else today? Where can I make a difference? Who can I pray for today? Who can I encourage today? Who can I go and visit? And I'm speaking to myself here, we're all guilty of that because we allow the busyness of life to just take over, right? We get so busy with our own problems, our own, you know, think so many things to do that we forget that there's a world out there that needs help. And we don't have to do it all. If each and every one of us just take one thing every day, we can make a huge difference. It can cause a great ripple effect, I believe. It's like that. A story of Sarah and the starfish you know this this little girl came to the beach and there were just thousands of starfish all over the beach and she was looking at that her heart sad and just seeing all this starfish just drying up out in the Sun so she started one by one putting them in the sea and the people were standing around watching her just doing this and just shaking their heads like poor girl she's never gonna be able to do all that save every single one of them. And one of these men came to her and said, Honey, you know, you cannot save every single one of these starfish. And she looked at him, she says, I know I can't save every one of them, 
but I can make a difference to this one. Today, I can make a difference to this one. And guess what? That man looked at it and said, you know what? I can do that too. And he took a starfish and he started putting it back in the sea until everybody standing around there started taking a starfish and putting it back in the ocean until that whole beach was cleared and all the starfish were saved. That's what I'm saying is, you know, we shouldn't always look at the big picture and be overwhelmed by it. Just what can I do today? How can I use the authority and uh, the Jesus and operate in the authority of Jesus to make about it a difference and change that is necessary? I know as a church, we, we um, support this for the last six and a half years, this young girl who's now a teenager in um, a country called Burkina Faso. And faithfully, she's been writing us and thank you for our support. And we faithfully supported her, this, you and I as a church, been faithfully supporting her through this ministry and making an impact in her life, her community and her family. And, you know, if we look at it, at the amount, the needs of children all around the world, thinking of just, oh, what really does it matter? Just one child that we can make a difference in. No, it makes a difference to that one child. But if everybody does that, we are able to impact thousands and thousands of children around the world. And many are doing that. One child at a time, making a difference, making an impact, right? So, in summary, the basis of our faith lies in the fact that Jesus has been given all power and authority and he was our example of humility and therefore we come with a heart of humility every day recognizing his authority and his the authority that he has given in his name to go about bringing about the change and stepping out of faith with others in mind not always ourselves trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to exercise that authority on a daily basis. Praise God, praise God. I trust you were blessed by this and that it encouraged you and will motivate you and I know it will motivate me to even today go ahead and just see where can I make a difference. And my daughter and I had this conversation this week and that's why probably without realizing that was in my heart um, that she said, I so desperately want to see a change in this world and I just want to it just saddens me to see there's so many hurting people out there and and I just want to see people being doing better living better being happier and how can we do this and we've been discussing how we can do this and it starts by one person at a time and trusting that that will have a ripple effect amen we trust that you are blessed by this message for more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.